Wait, apples? Santa Fe Spirits, yeah. That's what I'm drinking right now. I drink it like all the time. Yeah, it's the God apple brandy. Damn, literally apple every brandy. podcast yeah. Brian is yeah. drinking. This is all he drinks, actually. <laughs> okay. He just has an IV. Brian has never had any other spirit on the show. <laughs> This is the Still Talking Podcast with Colton Zeno and Brian Christensen. Uh, I'm the only one using my last name, apparently. Let me start over. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, just because it's like Colton Zeno. We've officially, we've made it official. We've merged. <laughs> exactly. You've merged into one beautiful bearded bastard. This is the Still Talking Podcast with me, Brian, and Zeno and Colton. <laughs> that was awful too. God damn it! You made me like overthink this. You guys are fucks. That's You're why so like, good at this. We rely sick. on you for this. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. You can say my full name if it makes it easier for you. I don't even know your full name. It's Zeno Zeno. It's just Zeno Zeno. Zeno McZeno. Zeno McZeno. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our irreverent industry podcast with Jason Zeno, Colton Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was going to fuck it up as soon as I tried to say the last names. <laughs> okay. This is the Still Talking Podcast, our irreverent industry podcast with Jason, Colton, and Brian. Today, we've, we're actually going to talk about one of our list. Well, God damn it, fuckers. <laughs> so bad. All right. I'm just going to jump in and, and we'll just start the actual podcast. So our listener actually sent us an email with some really good suggestions and thoughts on the podcast, guys. Zeno, you have the uh, email up in front of you. Is that right? I do. My reading ability is suspect, but uh, I will right. do my best. So we'll go ahead and list the, the listener. Actually, no. Let's keep it anonymous because I like the idea of just having listeners. We don't want people to know who the listener is. Yeah, we don't want to out them. That's really good. So <laughs> Wait, one of the I mean, that... like it's like you, listener. Weirdest thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, on Reddit. Yeah, on Reddit. So I think we actually got a couple we got a couple messages from listener, and I think my favorite part was some constructive criticism about the fact that uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the way they said this was perfect. Dick jokes are like spices and a little goes a long way, which I think in and of itself is a dick joke. But I just wanted to acknowledge that and say we do appreciate it. We are nerds and we are still going to be a little bit vulgar, but we appreciate that solid feedback. Yeah, I appreciate all feedback. Yeah. Especially when it's solid. I knew that uh, was going to happen, and I apologize. <laughs> We're going to get it out of our system right now, but then we'll actually try and be professional. So, Any, so feel free to skip forward past all the vulgarity. Anyways. And, anyways. <laughs> but the uh, some of the follow-up suggestions on the type of podcast were excellent, so we really wanted to thank listener, and we're going to go with one of them. So, you know, which one are we talking about? Yeah, so I think today I'm like uh, – we actually talked about these and we picked this one of all of them because it's a it's a hot button topic. It's a the rebranding bottling of bulk GNS or aged brown spirits by small distillers versus those that go grain to glass. And so in English, people who source whiskey versus or buy neutral grain spirits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I think it doesn't well, say it's well, but but buy and then just Rebottle and rebrand versus, you know, adding their own unique twist on it. Right. Got to right. keep the lights on, though. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole. That's yeah. That's what I'm going to say that's before it. That's we start talking about We're anything. Like, keep like that's my final thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. Wow, that was a quick episode. Yeah. Awesome. Good work. 
No, there's a lot of gray middle ground there too, because there's people that source product, but then do interesting blending styles with it to kind of make it their own. They'll they'll kind of partial age it in different barrels. Some of it's marketing, some of it's legitimate. And then of course, there are the people that are transitioning from sourcing to making their own products as well. So there's kind of that middle ground, which we can talk about or not. Uh, we could just focus on just the extremes if we want as well. All right. Well, so let's, let's start with like, Explain to the listener why why are people sourcing in in the beginning? What's the point, right? Like because what? how do you buy time, right? Yeah, yeah. Zeno summed it up perfectly. You're buying yeah. time. You don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, time time and quality too. Like, yeah, but quality quality is subjective. Time is objective. Yeah. True. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, and I hate to say it, like, uh, man, who was I? I'm like, who was I talking to? I'm pretty sure it was on our last podcast. Like the first thing consumers ask now, right? It's like, what age is this? Right? Yeah. Like that was on our last podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how dumb I am, listener. That was a whole um, week ago. Yeah. That was an eternity ago. But I mean, so you're, that's part of the marketing value, right? If someone's, yeah. hey, shit, was the first thing that we drank tonight when we came a 21 year old whiskey right Right. yeah listener we're not that rich (laughs) no 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 it was bought for we just wrote 21 on a (laughs) three-year-old bottle (laughs) so i think it's worth noting that there is a razor thin margin of distillery operations that open up with the concept that they can create product barrel age it and then sell it four years from now Almost no one can afford to actually do that. The capital investment, basically sitting on product without selling something that's a wide spirit is really hard. There's a few, like the Wyoming whiskeys. I think Westland did that. Essentially, they produce product, they barrel age it, and they sold nothing else in that time frame. That takes a lot of capital investment because basically you're trying to operate with zero cash flow. And For that's years. pretty rare. For years. For years. Literally yeah. years. At, you know, at best, you know, a year to two years. And even that's, most people would say that doesn't make any sense. You need to go two to four. So that's a really small number of people. So if you can't do that, if you can't sit on product for two to four years, you've got to figure out a way to bring in cash flow. And that's either selling white spirits, which is pretty common, uh, or what a lot of people will do because they're trying to build up a brand of aged spirits, brown spirits, they will source product to sell it until their products are ready. Or in some cases, they never do that. They don't have an operation at all. They're just a brand. They're buying product and then say they're blending it. And what do you guys think about those thoughts? Think of well, those. so I mean, there's there's a real eloquent. There's a real pitfall in sourcing somebody else's product while you wait for years to age, which is, you know, you're basically putting your brand out as, you know, this is our whiskey. This is this is what we're selling, and then all of a sudden you're switching it up when you're ready to, you know, release your own, and if it's not of the same quality or the same type, like your, your cust your, yeah, your customer expects a certain quality or, you know, product or flavor, or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you switch it on them. That's a really hard business yeah. model to, you know, you've spent so much time and energy building your brand and then you just switch it like that. It gets really tricky. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's like, a, it's about establishing a brand, right? You're saying like you establish a brand, you establish a precedent for like, this is what I'm going to make. Yeah. Right. Right. This is your baseline. This is your spec, right? By sourcing it and finishing it, whatever you do. And it's not your liquid. 
you can't duplicate that liquid maybe, right? Right. However, I think what you can do to make that less negative is that just be totally transparent of it. Like, I know we said that a bunch of times, but like if you were transparent about it, like, Hey man, I'm sourcing this, this liquid and I'm finishing it this way. Sure. It's like, it's like my turn on it. Right. And that way it's kind of decoupled of what your product is going to be. You're like, yep. I like this liquid. I like what I'm doing with it. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's actually two parts there. One is transparency. One is the transition. And I think back to the transition concept, how do you transition from someone else's source product to your own? In, in my experience, there's two acceptable ways, ways that the market will kind of bear. One is simply different brands. So you have your own brand that is source product. You're very transparent. You're clear about that. And then when your product comes online, you do it as some sort of secondary brand that complements you know the one you had before and then a lot of people will continue sourcing because that's a decent revenue well, right yeah well. i mean then you get stuck in this vacuum where you have to continue like you know you you started your business plan with all right we'll source for two years while we right. you know build up our stocks and then all of a sudden you realize i mean you're still making money so it's not you know it's not the end yeah. of the world but you're, the- you're basically stuck in a situation where your brand is yeah, half your brand is is based off a of sourced whiskey, and right. the other half's not. You know, and that which teat, is fine. You're, that but you're selling is, your story differently. And, that teat is runneth runneth dry. Like yeah, <laughs> it, although arguably it's not as bad as it was a couple of years ago. There is more product on the market now than there was even two years ago. It was really dry a couple of years ago. Man, it's hard to get product. And I, honestly, honestly, like when when you talk to guys like around the industry that would what I keep hearing is consumers don't give a fuck. No. Like they, they could care less where yes the and juice, no. where the you, juice is coming from. You are from. fucking with listener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Wait, well, before we go on to that, there is a secondary way you can kind of do this. And what a lot of people will do is essentially the blending route. So they'll take that source product and slowly integrate it into their own mm. blending, making a new kind of house flagship. So essentially what they're doing instead of having, you know, for, you know, 2016 is this beautiful, wonderful source product, and then 2017 is their stuff right out of the barrel that may be a little young, maybe a little raw. They'll slowly start integrating them together. And that way, they're transitioning over time that singular brand, so they're putting all their marketing, all their effort into that brand that is slowly being transitioned over to their house product. And that can work as well. So that's that's another way to go about it. So it's like a sensory solera. Yeah. I mean, yeah, essentially what you're doing is, yeah, you're, and that's where the blending, you know, is really important because you're trying to not shock, you know, you're not trying to shock your consumer. You don't want it to be that one bottle is completely different than the next, unless you're trying to do, you know, unless you're trying to market it as that kind of local terroir, you know, situation where every year your product is completely different, which I think you can get away with a little on the local level, depending on how you market it. But that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But I think that, take some serious forecasting too if you're like okay if i'm going to blend this and i have this profile then i need to know i'm going to have this source for x amount of time right and like you yeah. start making your own product you better have that to blend it into to get whatever that element is that you're saying this is my brand this is what i like but i think that's a, 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 an interesting perspective it's like uh the transition right i don't think people think of the transition whenever they start out yeah exactly that's that's what i was kind of getting at is your business plan is you're gonna make spirit for you know 
you're going to make spirit while you're you're sourcing spirit so you can eventually grow into your own spirit and then all of a sudden you realize oh my customers are now used to you know wherever your source is and how do you just transition like that it's very unlikely you're making the same even close to the same juice that they are it's a very long thought out process if you're going to be able to do it one of the ones that i know that tried it and i think they successfully marketed it i'm not sure actually how the end run went because they've had some problems with their own city in terms of the distilling but bull run out of oregon uh, Portland. Mm-hmm. They oh, yeah, know. they worked really, really hard to market themselves as a company that was sourcing their brown spirits with the plan to actually produce their own and make that their, their long-term brand in line. And they actually did a video with, and I think I can say this because they were very clear about it, MGP. They actually did a video in uh, collaboration with MGP, put it online saying, hey, they visited the distillery, they talked about their mash bill, they, you know, it was kind of a sales pitch for MGP and themselves, which I thought worked out pretty well because it was incredibly transparent. I was pretty impressed by that. Uh, yeah, Big Bottom did that for a while too out there in Oregon. Ted Pappas, yeah, yeah. he's he's yeah. always been incredibly transparent yeah. about the I'll fact t- that, yeah. I mean, he was, he was, I met him when I was out at Oregon State. Yeah. Like, dealing with that whole Pacific Northwest craft distilling guild right. and uh yeah i always thought him like all right yeah he was he was a solid dude and he, he was always my go-to example when people would push back and say no one is sourcing product and planning to start their own distillery no one does that that's bullshit and i said totally no. what he did yeah, yeah it's hey, exactly what, what Ted Papas people, did. Yeah. i mean that's what most people do and he like he was couple... he was he was barrel right. finishing in zen barrels yeah like yeah he, yeah and he was like oh yeah and like he's like this is what i buy and it's here it is drink it if you like it and i'm working on doing my own thing and I, I feel like that was a success of a transparency, right? I agree. So actually, that's the other thing we should really talk about when it comes to this transparency side, because I think unless listener knows there, you know, a few years ago, there was a big legal issue with the transparency side where it was oh. less common for people to be transparent about sourcing. Uh, and we don't necessarily need to give any brands unless we want to, but there they, was... They got Google. They got yeah. Google. Yeah. But there's specifically a brand that was claiming to be this you know family recipe basically made in house but they were just sourcing it and it came out and there's actually a lawsuit about it and i think they ended up losing right mm-hmm. i feel like i should know that off the top of my head but i don't uh, yeah. i just said mm-hmm. it, it was it was troubling <laughs> enough that most of the industry has taken recognition of that and now it personally feels like to me there's less I mean, of an issue with that most yeah, people are more I think, transparent i think lost actual lawsuit or not the industry took notice of consumer reaction, which right. was very rightfully clear so. of right. don't be doing that. <laughs> so no, it's not. I don't, okay. I don't think, you know, the small monetary, I'm sure it wasn't small either, but the monetary situation of that actual case probably is less important than the consumer reaction yep. to that case. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, that's a really good example of why it is very, very important to be transparent in this industry with that. Uh, and then I think kind of back to the original question from listener, you know, the differences between grain to glass versus sourcing, you know, some of the, you know, what are some of the benefits and differences? Obviously, the benefit side of sourcing is you have an aged product ready to go on market right away, cash flow. And then the grain to glass side is really, I do feel a lot of that is the marketing side. There's a lot of, there's the craft side of it, obviously. There's the hands-on. There's, you know, really appreciating your local, uh, you know, your local economy and your local ingredient sources. But really from a marketing standpoint, it's amazing because you it's, really do get people excited. It's, yeah, it's huge. And then and then you also get the, there's the benefit of the local subsidies. Like we talked about 
right? The New York, right? The state. Oh of New yeah, York, the right? New York bill is ridiculous. So, <laughs> but I remember so when I got I was getting started out and I was in Oregon, I was studying, and I worked for this little distillery, and they were an organic distillery. They bought organic neutral grain spirit, which is insane. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> what do you even do that? <sighs> no, I don't need names. Anyways, but. whoa. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, and it was like a woman who was, she was a lead, and she had this little 30-liter Carl, and they were making gin, and it was fine. It was, it was great. It was like, it was cool, and it was a passion project, and all this. But then, like, I remember she got a call from someone on the other coast, and, and they said, uh, and they were like, hey, we really want women in distilling or anything. Are you, and the first question they ask are, are you grain to glass? We're grain to glass. So it is a huge marketing tool, right? Just to, to, to come out and say, we're grain to glass. Like, we're not like, there's this machismo of, hey, we do everything. Like, right. we, we mash it. We like. It's romantic. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's, it's great. Awesome. It's great. It's what I fell in love with. It's why I'm here anyways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that that, that, context has changed like that we don't speak the same way to it about that like i think that all of us based on the last i don't know 15 minutes of conversation we're okay with sourcing if if you're open about it if you're open about it and your passion project is either within that or around that i mean be transparent and get good product because most of the product you're going to source in most cases is pretty damn good right yeah that's why they're sourcing so like i think so like i think that you know, grain to glass can be just as bad as sourcing if you're just doing it for the marketing aspect of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it can bite you. Yeah. So I, I think like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like, if, is your spirit good? Okay. Is your spirit different? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the entire podcast is is surrounded by it has to be high quality, right? Or Right. Well, decent quality. Well, must be decent quality. Yeah. So I think there's when we start talking about the marketing side and selling, you know, the actual business aspect of running a distillery, having grain to glass gives you a leg up and it gives you a point of differentiation that a sourcing product doesn't have. You know, if you're if there are ten distilleries sourcing from the same producer, you're limited in your point of differentiation and your innovation. You can still innovate. You can blend differently. You can integrate different types of you know wood and different ways of extraction, things like that. But again, you, you're automatically limiting yourself. Whereas if you're grain to glass, and especially if you're using local source ingredients, you are definitely, you have a leg up on that marketing side. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Like you said, Zeno, it may not be well done at all if you're not careful, but it is a great marketing tool. Right. If it's local, that's just the same thing. It's like when they, I hate the term local pores. I'm like just because something is local doesn't mean it's good. Right. I always, for, to me, like I, I always got local beer, local malt, shit like that. But when it comes to like spirits, the spirits are such like a broad. You make you make such a small amount out of so much raw ingredient that it needs to be distributed wide. So it shouldn't be a local. 
I don't know. I to go me, back to the romantic to me, it's, side. It's such a weird. Local I do too. Thing. I do too, Brian. We hate Colton. He's the fucking worst. <laughs> sure, you he guys go. You guys go on your. Hey, could you, you kill his mic real quick? And... <laughs> yeah. I, oh wait, uh, you said Mike. I just thought you could kill when I, just, <laughs> I was acting. Murder. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I can. I, You're a good I, friend. I, I like. I like the romantic part of it too. Like, uh, I mean, think of like, yeah, Calvados, right, right, or. Sure, but yeah, okay. But so, yeah. you, whenever you yeah. say that, you always come back to fruit spirits. Like when now we're talking about gin, we're talking about whiskey. Think about scotch. About... No, let me give you a great example. <laughs> so <laughs> unlocal. <laughs> no, I'll, let me give you a great example. One of my favorite experiences. I got to go to DeKalb, Illinois, uh, Whiskey Acres. They're out. They're like sure. an hour yeah, outside of Chicago. Yeah, they're super cool. I got to ride in a combine and see the fields of you know corn that they were growing that were actually being produced now granted there's other things they're doing as well but that was product that they were directly making into whiskey and that was pretty cool it was really fun to see one of the owners who is a you know you know multi-generation farmer basically say yeah that's you know we're growing different crop types this is what's in this acreage this is what's in this acreage you got to see it you got to feel it and you go to the distillery you look out the tasting room window and those fields are there Yes, there's it's a marketing angle to it, but it is romantic. It's exciting. I think from a consumer aspect where they may not even have as much of the industry knowledge, it especially poignant for them. And it means a lot. And it's very, very cool. And that goes a long way. Now, not everyone can have their own farm right outside of the tasting room. But in those circumstances, I think it elevates other grain to glass production facilities. Sure. OK. But I guess I guess my point so, is Colton, more... you're fucking wrong. Yeah, you're wrong <laughs> wrong my point is more like yeah so whiskey acres has their own you know their own farm right next to their distillery and that's great for their local market right but when whiskey acres as a distillery you can only sell so much locally we you know you have to expand. it helps to have chicago in your backyard though too that's true right yeah I, that's a good point i'm i'm <laughs> actually all for the local thing too like i mean like i mean i don't know i i try and support local businesses i do I'm guilty of that as anyone else. Sure. I'm like, oh yeah, oh well, you're local, honey. You have your own bees. I'm like, ooh, ooh. right. Like, what? <laughs> I do that. I make Whoa, those. What do you got against bees, dude? <laughs> yeah. No, I fucking love bees. If, if anyone doesn't know that, I love bees. Good. Like I'm obsessed with bees. Whoa, weird turn. This is escalating. <laughs> yeah. No, it will get crazy. Dude, if you stay want to talk away about from bees. the beehives, right. man. It's not cool. Hey, you know the, don't get too vulgar. Do you know what they release <laughs> when they sting? Nope. Don't know. Don't want to know. Oh, really? Isolamyl no, acetate. Yeah. Oh, banana runts. Bananas. They release God banana runts. Right. Wait, they're really? Like, and they're like, attack this motherfucking spot. Yeah. Oh, that's right. amazing. I do. Yeah. Love it's stuff. like one of my favorite. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, I love that aromatic. Like, it's it's nice. And and it's also telling bees to attack. Um, Killer bees, I believe is the term. <laughs> I don't think that's right at all. <laughs> I don't. I cannot deny or confirm. uh you know but the local thing it's a good place it's a good reason to try something but it's not a good reason to like something yeah that's right so i mean i spirits i don't know if there's any difference with spirits or no there is a difference with spirits and beer and wine but it's it's about raw materials right Exactly. I mean, but yeah. Are you going to drink malt whiskey in the Caribbean? 
Yeah. I probably will, I, I but really it won't like be local, whiskey. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Locally. Yeah, sure. You know, they have those plastic islands. I'm sure they can. Yeah. <laughs> Float, floats of grain. I really there. dug hard, listener, for that. <laughs> you did. Yeah. You really did. Yeah. Like, if you could see my gears turning, it's actually just one gear and it doesn't turn. But it's got a single, yeah. a fixie. Yeah. <laughs> got a fixie brain. Yeah. Oh, we are dumb. Yeah. But That's in good. all honesty, it's like, I mean, so, I mean, yeah, where do you want to drink brandy? Yeah. American yeah. brandy. Where do you want to drink American brandy? Sure, out west. I I get your point. Wait, what? A- in Pittsburgh, uh, out west. Out no, Pittsburgh, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will totally sit in Southern Indiana and drink brandy with Hubers any day of the week. That's, some That's true. That's fair. Just had That's a glass fair. Of it, uh, yeah, literally twenty I, minutes. Ago. I don't know what what he's doing. But <laughs> New Mexico. Pretty- There's a really good brandy in New Mexico. I mean, you apple brandy. Really? What yeah. Kind of- Wait, apples? Santa Fe spirits. Yeah. It's what I'm drinking right now. I drink it like all the time. Yeah, it's the apple God brandy. Damn, literally apple every brandy. podcast yeah. Brian is yeah. drinking. This is apple. all he drinks, actually. <laughs> okay. He just has an IV. Brian has never had any other spirit on the show. <laughs> I like my apples, man. Tasty. I do too, but where are they getting their apples? What apples are they? That's but that's the question. point. That's that is my point. Is like local is great. New Mexico apples. But, says it right on the bottle. All right, well, my point is shot, so Kevin, cut <laughs> <Yeah>. this out. <laughs> that was my point. Wait. Hey, do I get to say it twice in a podcast? Hey, Colton, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh, that felt good. <laughs> I don't even know where we were anymore. No, no, none of no, us. No, we're talking, about, we're talking about grain to glass. Ah, and like, yes. And like, so is it, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. Do you start out a place you're like, oh, I'm going to go, because I remember I was real hard on about being like oh yeah no we'll make all our spirits and like i'm like no man if you're gonna make fucking gin that's the point right like, yeah yeah why gin i don't consider people who buy gns i mean obviously we're one of them but i don't consider people who buy gns cheating by buying gns to make their gin no because otherwise cause you would not... say 90 percent of the people in the u.s market are cheap. it's so hard to make vodka and like especially the small scale stills yeah. that people buy you just couldn't do it yeah you, so have, you, to have, have, gin, so you like, have you have to have the equi- the assets to do it yeah. right and like that's what they do you can do it there are people in the u.s that do do it but in terms of economies of scale and actually making money on it they're yeah they're drastically cutting their profit margin by making their own base I hey agree. just an fyi i had a pecan liqueur tonight Yes. That was in the spirit base was I was like, I was like, oh, what's the base of this? And it was a neutral brandy spirit. And I'm like, this pecan liqueur, I hate how much I liked it. Wait, I, I thought they told it you is, that they it is to me pecans. what <laughs> bourbon cream is to, to, Brian. <laughs> to Brian. Yeah, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I feel like we've covered the whole grain to glass issue pretty well. Are there any other any other parts of that topic we're missing? You think? Should we read that question again? Make sure we fully answered it. I think we didn't even come close. No, I don't even think so. Yeah. I think the, the only question? thing we talked... I think, you know, we talked about... We referenced the bit. words source and grain yeah. and glass. That was it. The rebranding. No, the rebranding. Uh, we talked about the transition, yeah. right? It's all about the transition. 
Yeah. Right, right. That's but a really I think good what, what, when he's, I what finally, he's asking, or he or she is asking about I finally is... get my bitch tits removed. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> rebranding. He's rebranding himself. Oh, got it. Yeah, we got to cut that one. <laughs> <laughs> this is just uh, one long cut. <laughs> yeah, it really is. This is what happens when you're not here, Devin. Bottling of bulk GNS or H Brown spirits by small distillers versus those that go full grain to glass themselves. The rebranding. I guess. Well, no. I mean, let's let's keep going on GNS. Like, I, I think that's an interesting point. There's so there's gin, but there's also people who just rebottle, rebottle, but also just buy GNS and redistill it. Right. Right. And then they can say on the label, distilled by. Even but then, then there's a craft and a filtration, and that there that exists. Sure, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. But I mean, is that what you're like? I, you know, is that what you're buying your vodka for? Is there craft and filtration? I don't know. I mean, not That's to amazing, not but... to not to be like, hey, I don't want to chug Ultra Pure's dick, but like, the sure. products are good. Like, sure. I mean, it's a good product. But that's, it's a good, that's, clean that's not what listeners talking about. Listeners talking about, you know, your shelf vodka at 80 proof that was, you know. Why are you buying vodka in the first place? Well, yeah, Colton, do we I, need to have a talk? I have hangovers. I, I like Bloody no, Marys. I, I, no, I like Bloody Marys too. But like if you want. All right. So like if you're going out and you're going to buy a vodka. I don't know. Do you want character or do you want to be super clean? That's where it comes down to. That's a whole nother conversation, man. It is a but whole yeah, nother conversation. But like it makes sense to like if you're that's gonna part of that's rolled filter, up right yeah. in this conversation, right? I mean that's what that's the difference probably mostly of Yeah. Oh, um, damn it. Now I have to source, agree with Colton. That feels gross. Source GNS. You're right. So <laughs> I don't know. What about vanilla bean vodka? I it's I mean it's gross. Like nobody likes <laughs> that. So <laughs> It's great in Bloody Marys and nothing else. No. <laughs> no, I think if we're talking about, again, kind of that local flavor, you're trying to make something. Because, again, we all have to acknowledge a lot of smaller producers need cash flow. They've got to sell something. Vodka and gin are great ways to do it. And if you can do a vodka that if you want to make it yourself from local ingredients, have some different character to it. I think that's it's viable. And there are people that have done it successfully. It is really tough, but yeah, you can absolutely do it. And sometimes it can actually be really interesting, especially if you're smart and you do, you know, if you integrate in like your local bartending scene, that can be really smart. Cause then I feel they like that's can such a, I mean, yeah, I, I very much agree with the local bartending scene, but like making your own craft vodka that is unique and has character you're going after such a small market of consumers. Like vodka is such a big market. Yeah. And then you're really, you know, pigeonholing yourself. In Wait, that, but do like, any of us, uh, tiny of little vodka drinkers who want character out of their, like that's mostly, you know, I'm, I'm definitely generalizing vodka drinkers, but right. They're not. Do the three of us, for, do the three of us see vodka as a viable business plan? As a part of a viable business plan. As, as the start. I think as the start of yeah. a viable, right? Like as, as your cash flow while you're laying down. Listen, but I, that's I've, less so now than it was a few years ago. Like it's really hard just to start with a vodka, do a vodka for a year, transition into a gin, transition into a brown spirit. Like you could do that five, six, seven years ago. You have to be a little more nuanced now. You do I don't think you can do it. I don't vodka. think you can do it. 
I don't think you can. Are, are you, you talking can, vodka I've, alone or is yeah, bigger? Plate? Yeah, I don't think you can fire off vodka alone. Like, I'm gonna, it's going to be I'm, real hard to recreate a Tito's. Yeah. I, I I agree. I yeah. don't think that's going to happen again anytime. I don't think you can. And I'm like, I definitely. I, whoa, whoa, you guys don't think there's going to be a, a Tito's too? <laughs> no, I don't. There definitely. You Tito's is not the last stand of. There's, but there's, but Tito's isn't what the first Tito's stand did, of Tito's. What, what exactly? What Tito's did that was so unique was you know what Tito's he is. Made, he marketed it's poor like, man's Boyd and Blair. Sure, I, I but literally they're, but they're don't not know what the scale. Mean, yeah, and what plus they're potato, so like whatever. <laughs> don't bring Pittsburgh into this. <laughs> they are. They were out of the old Glenshaw glass building. <laughs> Drink Boyd and Blair. This podcast is not sponsored by Boyd and Blair. <laughs> Tito's is an amazing story. Like, I love the story behind Tito's. I like Tito. Tito's a cool guy. I mean, he say what you will about him, but he's an incredible businessman. He, but that's that's my point. Is like, he's amazing. He's, he's an incredible businessman, but to think that there's not going to be somebody who can copy that sort of style but, with no. but vodka how? is I, crazy. I, that's I crazy. I really Wait. don't think it could happen again because he is a product of his timing, his... Like, again, a lot of it is timing. Like, even he'll admit he was very lucky to start when he, I, sh- I don't know that he'd say lucky. He's actually, he, again, he's smart. He saw a market. He killed it. He did a great job. But it's so hard to recreate that now. You couldn't do it on the scale he did. You'd need to start with so much more money to be able to recreate that kind of model and then to grow organically like it did. I don't know how you do it. Ah, uh, yes. What? I don't know. He, again? Brian agreed with me. That's what well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Cole. <laughs> well, you guys no, are both like, wrong, not poor me. <laughs> no, Brian's like the marketing guy. Like, come on, man. Like he knows the market better than God, that was like, such a lightning strike. I mean, and yeah. a part of it I, I really do feel like it was so I look at it this is the amount of money it takes to be able to market a product successfully has changed. Ten sure. years ago, if you had a product that was brand new and exciting, you could get a lot of free marketing and publicity. There were writers all over the place on a national scale that would write about you, fascinating, interesting, especially a personality like Tito. He is a brand unto himself. He is charismatic. He is interesting. He is funny. So he had that going for him. He had the timing going for him. He had a product that, you know, whatever you think, it's a product that is drinkable. People appreciate it and like it. Those three elements he had going for him to do that now would be such a scale of magnitude larger in terms of investment for marketing and sales. You can't get that kind of free marketing and PR anymore. You have to. I mean, maybe maybe not in the same time period, but you know that's that's kind of like saying like the first big guy, first big craft guy with an IPA that came out was the last IPA that Mm, was going to make money. It's not even remotely close. How? Can we just name this episode Colton is Wrong? Can we do that? (laughs) Definitely try. (laughs) Because an IPA was totally different. Like an IPA. So like. But how's the second? An IPA IPA was like the British, right? Like we went to India. We put hops in this. Sure. Okay. Right. Like in like it be. Oh, like, oh, shit. It's a little bitter. It's great. Like, yes. Like. Worthington's White Shield. Burton IPA. Like those are great. Like. But they're they were totally different, and then, but what Tito's did wasn't totally different. It was the same, but he made it different. 
But that's what I'm saying. Like, couldn't we just have a slightly different character vodka come out that blows up? But what character is Tito's? Tito is Texas. That's part no, of it. No, no, no. Ah, Brian's got the marketing side. No. Down. There you go. No, I didn't no, ask I'm just, for marketing. I'm, just I'm, not I'm like gonna, the spirit. I'm not gonna admit so we're talking the, the actual juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk about that. What is the characteristic of Tito's? Oh, well, vodka. So, flavorless, right. tasteless. I mean, gluten free. That was a good marketing move. Right. If we go more to the like the European, like the UK version of what vodka is, and like I love that conversation I had with Paul Hughes. But like when he was even, on the vodka panel, and I'm like, that's true. Like a bunch of people I've talked to on like the W set side are saying that that's not the definition of vodka. Is that vodka is uh, on the you know across we don't the pond. promote W set right now. What we don't promote W set. So. <laughs> they haven't paid us any money. Yeah. <laughs> no one has paid us money. <laughs> yeah. Rightfully yeah. so. Right. Um, that, but they were saying that basically that it was the same. Like you can kind of interpret the law how you want, but really it needs to still be flavorless, tasteless, whatever. I don't know, but I kind of go with Paul Hughes. Are we talking standards of identity reasonable. there? Is that yeah. what you're referring to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. People, the idea is that America, it has to be flavorless, tasteless, no discerning, uh, source sugar content, right? And then Europe is what? What did Paul Hughes say? It can have character uh, of like anything, or like what is the more the base ingredient can come through, right? Is that the general concept, <laughs> or just a, a depth of character, right? Mouthfeel. Not you, so much I mean, aromatics. It's no none on air. Mouthfeel. That's what? not America vodka can have mouthfeel, right? Discuss. Sure, yeah. sure it can. Right. All right. I think we're kind of getting in the weeds. This is a slightly different yeah. We just made a vodka episode. <laughs> yeah, we did. We just made a vodka episode. A vodka so episode. So wait, like, sorry, week. but like, no, like, in, in all those weeds. So if you buy ultra pure GNS, whether it's potato, grape neutral, I believe it's Polish corn. potato. <laughs> it is Polish potato. My nickname, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> if you buy all those. Can you bottle it and market it? Yes, is the answer. But you guys are saying not to it. Not standalone. Not yeah. standalone. I don't not think you can. standalone to a Tito's level. That would be really hard. No, but uh, I don't am think. Am I saying it could never ever happen again? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it would take a different model and it would take a lot more money. I'm saying that like also you can't, Tito doesn't market it that way either, but. All right, so do you, oh, can your business model be a vodka and a gin for two years? Like, I want to do vodka and gin until my whiskey's ready. Can you do that? As long like, as I feel like that's what listener local, was asking, yes. right? Like, I feel like that's what listener was asking. It's like, locally, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you, you want to yes. just push it locally, sure. that's You could do that. But as soon as you want to go, you know, National. Full national, con- you know, international. So you're saying whatever. if it's geographically advantageous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that makes sense. Especially yeah. if you happen to be in the state that you're sourcing your product from. You can say it's locally grown. 
or locally produced. Right? But then you get back to the transparency side too. You got to be careful that you're not trying to confuse consumers into thinking that that's you making it. All right. So if you guys if you guys walk up to a booth and you're like, "This is our sourced, and this is our grained glass, and it's vodka," which one are you inclined to drink first? I mean, they're both I, vodkas. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, I would definitely try the grained glass first. I think that would be interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the point, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's a really good way to sum it up. Okay. Okay. There you go. Good with All that. right. Yeah. Should we uh, move on to final thoughts? Final thoughts. Should we have an audio cue for that? Or should it just be Zeno I think that, that was just it. That was it. We just yeah. made it. It's, <laughs> that, it's my podcast voice, my gravelly <laughs> podcast voice. Not my real voice. Yeah, definitely not his real voice. <laughs> Okay, I'll start off. So my final thoughts in regards to this topic, grain to glass is a really, really valuable marketing tool, as well as a, a great opportunity to be very innovative and play with some different, you know, you know, you're not, if you're an artist in this regard, it gives you some, you know, it gives you a much broader palette to work with. And I think it's very interesting and you have a lot to draw from. So it can be really, really beneficial. Sourcing is not a bad thing. And just to reiterate what we've already said, just be incredibly transparent. Okay, I think I'm going to reiterate what Brian pretty much said. And it's like, do what you need to do to make what you want to make. And whatever that entails, if you need to source and finish, that's fine. The transition, I think, think about, like, start with the end in mind. And if you're sourcing, think about where you want to be and what your profile is and what you want your brand to be. And to me, my brand is my liquid and I want my liquid to define my brand. So if that's the case, you need to consider that if you're going to source and finish and whatnot. But I say it all the time, the proof is in the freaking pudding. So yeah, me too. Yeah, why are we in? I'm glad Devin's not here. She'd make a fat joke again. (laughs) (laughs) She is making one right now. (laughs) I know she never would, but that's my new thing. Is I'm always going to accuse Devin of making fat jokes. Oh no, she makes them. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait till you're off camera. (laughs) Wait when you're not between two mattresses in your basement. (laughs) Yeah, that does sound awful. Poor listener has no context. Oh, listener. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm good. Like. It's not as faux pas now, the source, right? Like, I feel like mm, as little as like three years ago, if you were sourcing or just grinding out, God, yeah, grain neutral, monster in the industry, yeah, you're like, (laughs) oh, fuck them. But now it's like, mm, okay, they're doing that so they can do what they want to do. But like, I feel like right now, I feel like the next two to three years that's where the transition comes in play. And that is huge. Like, how are people going to do that? And what are they going to do? I guess, yeah. So my, I guess my final thought would be kind of expanding on that where that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Expand it. So, Expanding on that. <laughs> uh, to kind of encourage, encourage the listener to encourage, uh, be encouraging. <laughs> to, <laughs> <laughs> Man, you were so eloquent. To encourage <laughs> and encourage more. 
uh, to to encourage you know startups or whatever think about sourcing to to think about it more like a you know Scottish blending facility than they do the standard American source bottle and put out as your own liquid type thing where you know kind of like what High West did where they were sourcing from various places and blending it to their own sort of creation. I mean, nobody looks down at Scotland for doing that, and they've been doing that for hundreds of years. So we need to, you know, America needs to yeah, start when, doing that. A when did blending more. come yeah. fucking shitty? Exactly. <laughs> that's, right. Blending is just, you know, especially uh, in Scotland, it, it, it's is already sourcing known. to... It's already known. Like, yeah. blending in American whiskey is the next thing, listener, if you're not listening. Well, yeah. Now the now the listener knows. So yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. It really is. That's I mean, called a teaser. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Way to blow up our business plans, you know. <laughs> wait, we no wait, we had we a business plan. plan? <laughs> no, no. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So I have one final bonus off. Oh, topic. bonus, bonus final, final thought. thought. Yeah. So no, no. This bonus is what I want to bring up, just because it's mm. been on my mind, and our industry has been talking about it a lot on social media the last couple of days. Uh, There's a Japanese shortage, guys. Right, we're back to that. <laughs> no, no, like dead serious. We're recording this not long after Anthony Bourdain. It has been reported committed suicide. Um, and I think that's worth mentioning. I told you know both of you that I had a friend not too long ago commit mm-hmm. suicide, and that was something we've all been thinking about here. As, you know, But this one hit close to home just because it is a in the industry, you know, I, I consider him to be part of the industry too. He, you know, he's culinary, he's hospitality, he's spirits, he's drinks, you know, he's someone I think a lot of people looked up to, especially in the spirits industry. Um, and I think it's just worth noting if anyone has listened this far into the episode, you know, call us, call, uh, no, literally. I mean, if you yeah. don't feel comfortable talking to someone in your circle or someone's not checking on you like you feel like if you feel there are people in your life that may have issues or even if you don't think they have issues check on them you know just check on the people you care about and as a weird resource listener if you need to talk to anyone like honestly email us call us we are happy to talk and we care about everyone who whether whether they listen or not and that's something i think there are services online you know google you know some of those helplines it's a serious issue it's rising i think I forget what the exact stat was, but I believe in the U.S. suicides are up 30% over the last, I think it was, decade. So that's a serious issue. And I just want us all to think about that because we lost someone incredible, you know, as a personality and someone we cared about. I'm not, like, full disclosure, I'm not a huge Anthony Bourdain fan. Like, I'm not. Like, his show was great and everything, but I'm a fan of what Anthony Bourdain did for the world that I love. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and that, that I can say and have no qualms about it yeah but you know like I, I i listened to i just had this conversation again about man i keep talking about anthony bourdain so maybe he had more of an impact in my life than i even <laughs> thought but yeah you know like i was listening to a pittsburgh sports radio show because i'm from pittsburgh listener in case you didn't know um and like mark madden he came out and said he's like man suicide is becoming trendy and that's messed up yeah and like, and that is a serious thing. Yeah, like, it, it it can't be something that we start thinking of as sexy or acceptable. It's I think there there should be a lot of empathy for people that commit suicide and that feel that that's the only route left for them. I'm not saying we should stigmatize it that way. In fact, we should destigmatize it as a mental health issue we should talk about. And I think that's really really important. Um, 
and we all have to really care about that and help each other out. Yeah, and I'll right. listen to anyone or talk to anyone. Yeah. If you want to call, still talking. And we're a bunch of vulgar dumbasses, but no, yeah, we all I care make about a each other. bunch of suicide jokes, too. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I think helps because our jokes are so awful that it will not make it trendy. But Listen, that's how I deal with it. things. Like, that's what people don't get. And, like, you know, when I make jokes about terrible things, because I don't like to think that those are real. Yeah, so right. I make jokes about them. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what I do. I deal with humor. Right. All right. Colton, any other final thoughts? No, I think mm-hmm. I, I squeezed them all out. boy. All right. <laughs> we love you, listener. Eh, you're right. <laughs> My favorite Cheers. of all of yeah. the listener. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs>